commentary, technology, preparedness, and pop culture. From Nashville, Tennessee, the home of hot chicken. I'm Jess, the straight Christian conservative one. And I'm Chris, a gay Buddhist libertarian. We will explore today's issues with opposing viewpoints. And feature guests with incredible or unique stories. We may see things differently. But at the end, this is... Still love, love you, bro. bro. What's up, bro? What's up? It's been a little bit of time. It I mean, has. We, we needed to uh, like cool down a little bit, lock ourselves in the freezer from uh, the previous episode. It was. It was I had spicy. A, it was spicy. It's not these wasabi peas that you're no. eating. No, right I, and I, I made the mistake of eating a handful right before the intro started, and I was really, really trying to control my taste buds during that intro. So I, I guess we'll see how that turned out. You know, my favorite, I love eating sushi. And you know why I love eating sushi? Why? Because my favorite part of sushi is the wasabi. Yeah. I love the feeling of that opening up your sinuses. My dad, whenever we go to like a Chinese restaurant, he'll always get an egg roll with um, with uh, hot mustard and uh, and soy sauce and all that. And he will make a point to put tons of hot mustard in that soy sauce so that he can have just a sinus cleanse. Like he doesn't yes. take your allergy medicine. He just goes to a Chinese restaurant and has the hot mustard. <laughs> That's awesome. So. Wow. So, you know, a lot has happened. Our, our, our listeners have no idea what's going on. We, um, we, we missed a week. We didn't release last week, obviously. Uh, the week before that, we had a, a pretty hot episode. We've mm-hmm. got a lot of feedback, um, uh, mostly requests. Uh, you know, we, we talked about a topic that, that I feel like I was unprepared for. Um, we didn't have all the facts anyway. Um, we had a, I had a lot of emails about it, a lot of people wanting to come on. I'm working on that. So, um, can I just state that I was not planning on that topic to be talked about <laughs> while we did that? Like, that was not intentional to talk about that. We, and I was yeah, actually trying to like avoid it. Pop certainly, certainly off guard, yeah. certainly in the middle of pop culture. But, um, you know, th- so there's a lot of news that's, uh, that's happened. Um, what really is concerning though is this global supply chain shortage. Yep. I mean, it's, it's hitting, it's hitting toy shops and coffee producers in Brazil, but, Canada is having a crisis of their own, their own liquid gold. Maple syrup is running low. Oh, no, really? Yes. Canadian maple syrup or maple syrup in Canada. Which one? Uh, well, Canada produces three-fourths of the world's maple syrup. Oh, um, I know that. Yeah, and there's um, there, basically the OPEC of maple syrups called the Quebec Maple Syrup <laughs> Producers, the QMSP. And uh, <laughs> they were, QMSP. The quimp, the quimpsip, um, they have recently had to release 22 million kilograms. Now we're we're oh we changing. don't measure in barrels, do no, we? No, we're in Canada, so Aww. 22 million kilograms they had to release from its emergency reserves, which is about this is half. like the federal government releasing the, the oil. Canadians have emergency reserves yeah, of maple syrup. Release oh the reserves of our liquid gold. Well, that's literally their like a big part of their economy, I'm sure. So it makes sense to have emergency reserves, although not in the traditional sense where you have like emergency reserves of oil or. Uh, other types of fuels for times of war. Um, I don't know sure. how maple syrup would function. In they times love of war, their maple syrup. I mean, they have to feed their military, I suppose. So, but get this though. This and I didn't realize the. Uh, I, I get that they make three fourths of the world's maple syrup, but next year they they anticipate tapping because it's made by by tapping a tree and then they you know refine that and like boil right. it with sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They will tap an extra, like above and beyond, seven million trees to make the three fourths of the world's supply. Extra, yeah, like above and beyond to recover from this 
Wow. Uh, hitting the reserves. That's just a lot of trees to get maple syrup from. I didn't even know there were that many trees that produce maple syrup. <laughs> I, I guess so. I figured that by now we some, like somehow engineered maple syrup in a lab, but... You know, I suppose that it's good to know there is true maple you, syrup out you there. You just offended every one of our Canadian listeners. Like, they are serious about maple syrup. That's good. That's it, great. It, have you ever had, like, authentic maple syrup? I Canada? doubt it, because I'm sure I would have remembered it. My yeah. dad brought some back from Vermont one time. It was amazing. Yeah. I have to say, best syrup ever. You have to make sure you take it out the fridge, though, or else it's, like, super, super, super thick, and it takes forever. See, I'm only used to the, uh, the good old... Um, the the granny shaped um, maple syrup bottles. I remember my grandmother would always heat that up when uh when I wanted waffles or whatever, and and that was good stuff. Good the, times, good memories. The name you can't say anymore because they had to change the company. Betty Crocker. Like, no, no. The, the oh, I know. Sorry, <laughs> the, aunt, the aunt. Aunt. Yeah, you can't. Change. Why can't you say? Can we can we that? say they, her name? No, because they changed the name of the company because it was um. Well, it used, how formally, is it? formally, formally, Aunt Jemima. The syrup. Formerly known as. Did you not Aunt know that? Jemima. I know. No, I know the name, but I'm trying to figure out why I can't say it. And Jemima, I can say it, but why? What's what's it up? With it Aunt offended Jemima? people. It offended so people, so they changed the, the name after all these years. What? She was actually <laughs> from real... from what I heard, she was the first like African American to be like a quote millionaire at the time. So like, wait, back she then. actually created this company, yeah. and now it is offensive to, yes. to have a syrup named yes, after her? Yes, It honored her, and then somebody got offended, and they made them it's change. It's the same. It's kind of the same They're, as, like, the—it's not the same, but— Uncle at the Ben's same, Rise. No, but at the same time, the the Lake of the Lands or whatever, Lando that's Lakes, the butter. butter. Yeah. Land of, Land of Lakes. Lakes. There was a yeah. meme they took about out it. the Indian. They took the—there was a meme that with this exact picture that said, here we go again. Got rid of the Indians and kept the land. <laughs> oh, no. That's there was bad. so many of them. That's bad. It's tragic. You know, what's weird to me is whenever something like that happens, you know, all we're doing is taking away the minority representation in selling products. Exactly. Yeah. Like Aunt Jemima's syrup. Uh, I mean, that was a true story about a... a a black American who prospered and and took advantage of capitalism and made it a name for themselves. Uh, Uncle Ben's rice, I think that maybe still Uncle Ben is still on the rice. I can't remember, but I don't think so. Okay, I'm being honest. And then the, I, I don't know who they actually is a Land O'Lakes Indian or whatever that that um, was a part of that. But what I'm saying is is what what now we've only got white people on the cover. White people's on the cover is not offensive, <laughs> but if it's a minority, oh, we can't have minorities on the cover of products. God forbid. They did take it off of them. What a and instead of strange world we instead live in. Instead of Uncle Ben's rice, it's just Ben's rice now. What? Are you why kidding me? Why can't Ben be my uncle? Yeah. Because Honestly, it's racist. it's probably because of the con. like, I'm not saying this is it, but I'm sure it's because you think of Uncle Tom's Cabin, which is, oh, I thought people it was see that, that as inappropriate. I thought it was just uncles were racist it. and everyone knows that what? uncles are always racist. Oh. Um, yeah. My uncles aren't racist. Are your are your uncles racist? They yeah. they have the name uncle, therefore they're racist. Oh okay. Yeah. Oh my god! Now we're messing with rice packaging. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And this is the this is the craziness that I I'm noticing is like I watched a video on TikTok where a guy was arguing that black children should be educated by themselves away from white children. Uh, and other isn't that other reversing of, what we done did? Well, yeah, that's that's it's redoing what has been done. 
I, I just hope I they love, put you with I anybody love, reversing love what we done did. That grants us what we done did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but we're backtracking. <laughs> We went. We went. We were in a world where there was no minority representation. Then now we start representing them in products, and in, in everyone is in the same school. And now we're wanting to backtrack. What is up with that? I don't get that. Uh, it's, uh, people are just running around confused about what to do, and they're picking something. It's like with the Uncle they're running Ben's, out of things to blame. With the Uncle Ben's rice, they used to carry this Mexican style rice that was really good. They had this thing where it was little bags, and you were able to stick them in the microwave and heat them up, and you can make this really good like chicken, bean, and rice so is this but what happened got, to you you they can't got, they you can't say mexican this. rice now no yeah they got right hispanic that, rice they got rid of that brand of rice because it was racist and you right. can't find it anymore i literally look up recipes for mexican rice and it's everywhere it's a type of rice but apparently that's racist are we gonna are, are french fries racist now do we just call them fries fried yeah, potatoes they're fries like what about canadian bacon is, bacon. is that is that racist no, just that's ham. Strip, oh. strip the origin out of everything. Yep. I mean, just it's fries, it's bacon, it's rice, yep, pancake syrup. Well, hold on. I didn't think were French fries actually created in France. I thought I that don't was. I so. I don't think it was. Yeah, they're not French. It's probably one of those transliterations where they they wanted to make something seem fancy that they named yeah. it after a foreign country. Would you like to try my French fries? <laughs> so speaking Belgium. of speaking of fancy. Um, there's a company, I love the name of this company. It's called better. Uh, the business is an online business. So the boss gets 900 of his staff on a zoom call. I I don't do well with like five people in a zoom call. So this boss gets 900 of his employees in a zoom call. And he quote says, if you're on this call, you're part of the unlucky group being laid off. Oh, Oh yeah, that's bad. That's that's not good. That's not better at all. What a what a horrible way to to do that. There was nicer ways to do that, but so literally that you they were invited to the Zoom call, and then the first thing that's out of his mouth is you're laid off. Oh, yeah. Did he just hang up after that? I'm sure they had like a discussion or whatever, but yeah, they he had a you know we're we're having to downsize and because of the economy or whatnot. But if you're on this call, you're part of the group being laid off. You know wow. that reminds me of, and I won't name who it is, but so we the college I used to work at. Um, the coach ended up leaving at the end of the semester. So both him and I left at the same time and he didn't know he was going to leave. Like he got a job opportunity. To, he decided to take it. And um, he was really nervous about telling the kids because he basically and by kids, I mean players. Um, he basically built this team like the last two years and it was the, his big passion project or whatever. And so I was like, how are you going to like tell them because this was after I made my decision not to stay and he's like I'm just going to do a zoom call I'm going to tell them you know what you know that I'm leaving and all this stuff and I'm like okay so I'm thinking he like has written something out did we have zoom back then yeah it was during COVID oh I thought I'm sorry I thought you were talking about the other school no. never mind go ahead so he's on the zoom call and he literally everybody gets on he's like hey guys um so I'm leaving the university I'm really sorry, uh, and I hope you guys understand, but I got a really good job, and um, yeah, Chloe's not coming back either, and uh, yeah, that's all I have to tell <laughs> I you. I, no, you wait, 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 then he said, then he said, Chloe's not going to be here. He said more than that, but he, that is the gist, and then he goes, okay, I just want to tell you guys, thank you guys for getting on the Zoom call. I really appreciate it, and then literally hit hung up with that before, like, every, <laughs> any questions. I literally, I was just, I was sitting across the room, so I couldn't see the reactions, but I could just picture in my head the reactions of everybody just being like what the heck you don't just and then he hangs up end it like and that. then shuts uh, it and he's like okay i'm done with it 
<laughs> oh my god hey my coach is leaving yeah how do you tell you oh wanted like a five second zoom call yeah. and then hung up hi bye so well, i guess it's good that these people are getting laid off and they're not just all getting fired so they have some unemployment and protections there yeah i mean yeah speak of the bright side well you got to look at it somewhere i mean it is what it is i'd rather zoom be laid off call. than fired I guess it's 2021, right? Let's do it in a Zoom call. Who needs to send an email these days? Oh, we wouldn't want them to get COVID after they got Based fired. Yeah. That's also right. another thing that's hilarious with Zoom calls is like people being on it and they're like, this could have been an email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of of sports, help me out here. I, I didn't even know the news, but why are we boycotting the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics? Is that something I you're going to talk about today? No, but I, I believe it is um, uh, their... China is really, um, well, China is a bad, bad state um, as far as their leadership. Um, you know, they do things like um, persecute um, religions, or, well, all religions. They don't believe in religion. Um, and uh, so if you're a Muslim, specifically the Uyghur Muslims in China, uh, you're sent to re-education camps, you're killed, you um, you're uh, forcibly sterilized. Um, I've actually read testimony from Congress that actually took place uh, Perhaps, several it years like ago. You're thinking about Nazi Germany. You're uh, talking no, about the this, same is, place. this is the thing that's happening right now in, in the world. And obviously, Christians are a part of that, but I don't want to mention those first because, you know, that's the typical conservative. Oh, yeah, the Christians. Da, 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 da. No, it legitimately, there are lots of um, ethnic Muslim groups that are being exterminated in China just because of their status. Also, uh, you know, they don't. You, you can't be gay in China. Um, if you're found to be that, you you'll be sent to those re-education camps as well. And that's probably the primary reason that the U.S. is boycotting. They don't really don't. Uh, the whole, you know, murdering Muslims, genociding Muslims, is not a topic that a certain political party likes to talk about China doing right now. But if if it has to do with them persecuting um, uh, some of those protected groups over here in the United States, then, yeah, yeah that's uh, that's something they'll want to boycott for. This um, sounds so familiar. What's that Chitler's name? Uh, I know, yeah. The Chinese Hitler's wow, name? are you making a Holocaust comparison, Chris? <gasps> you know, it is... it's it is It sounds oh. very much familiar. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree, it does. Completely cleansing the world of an ethnicity because you disagree with their political or... Um, or maybe you have some sort of goal of building a, a great society. Yeah, that's Xi Jinping, uh, president uh, or the leader of China right now. That is his uh, great society he's trying uh, to build. Look, history repeats itself have you heard in much, some form or fashion. Have you heard much about the social credit system in China and all those things that are revolving around that? No. Um, so basically the Chinese government has a a system in place where, you know, like in the United States, we have credit cards and you have a credit score. and your credit score determines whether or not you can, uh, if you can get certain loans or uh, a better rate, you can get on loans. Well, China has, you know, many of you know, already know, China is a big, you know, police state, very heavy, heavy on surveillance. They have um, billions of dollars in, in surveillance systems where they surveil their own populace and facial recognition technologies and all those. And they have this stuff called um, the social credit system. And this is a a credit score, essentially, but it is based on your activities as a citizen of China. So doing things like uh, going to uh, the Chinese Communist Party uh, party meetings, um, you know, working for the party, doing stuff that promotes uh, the party, making positive messages or Facebook posts about the, the Chinese Communist Party, those gain you social credit scores. Or um, doing things like uh, that would 
uh, forward certain social goals, you know, like um, uh, participating in um, uh, the military or, or uh, other things that benefit the Chinese Communist Party. Those all give you positive social credit scores. And, of course, things like, um, you know, dissenting political opinions, um, you know, jaywalking, uh, various other activities that are considered uh, abhorrent, like having more than two children um, or uh, having having um, uh, multiple daughters or stuff like that, things that they don't uh, think is um, acceptable in modern society, you get a negative credit score. And uh, that score determines what you can do, like what shops you can visit, what things you can buy. Um, it determines what jobs you can get. If you get low enough, you're sent to re-education camps, uh, and if you get high enough, obviously, you know, you have benefits that you get from the government. I feel like have, they've got a lot of camps they're setting up. Oh, it's uh, yeah, it's been happening for a long time. Um, and uh, it's just been hidden from the public because um, nobody wants to criticize China. Certain folks in this government do not want to uh, call out China because they don't want to be seen as racist because you can't make you can't talk about the politics of other races. That's not that's not appropriate um, at all. Have you have you either of you? Seen the show Black Mirror? Uh, I started it and I couldn't get into it. So there is actually an episode um, that is about a society like very like close in the future, um, the not so distant future that has this concept where everybody has this like, I don't remember how it was specifically, but they had, oh, on their phone. So if I walked up to Jess as a stranger and he opened the door for me. I'd be like, oh, thanks. And then I would I've hold the that. phone get, up to yes. him and give a positive point and he would get a, a good point for holding the door. And then like if somebody like bumps into me and spills a coffee and I get mad at them, take away a, I take away a was point. Was a movie also? Yeah, there was a movie. I've seen clips of it. I don't know what movie it is, but Black Mirror did a really good job of like showing that as a society and also like how people view you as um you know a quote-unquote poor person if you don't you know have this many credits or a really rich person when you have a lot of credits so it's like it's it's crazy that that's a show that's supposed to be like super like abstract and not real and then like that's happening over in china which i do know it's happening because i actually have a family member who is from China. She's originally from China um, and her parents still live there. So like during the whole COVID thing, like we had all the inside information of what was going on because her parents were there um, during COVID. And so there, it's definitely happening over there. And we, we must remember this is also the, uh, the country that was um, welding people into their apartment complexes during the initial part of the COVID um, pandemic. So I believe we talked about that story. Um, yeah, it's, China is um, interesting. Did you hear that they've actually developed um, several hypersonic missile systems that outperform anything else in the world as far as weaponry? You know, I've heard of a bunch of tests that they've done on on a lot of missiles, and mm-hmm. I knew that they had tested some. But, um, yeah, you know, who knows what they've got? It's also been leaked that they have um, missile silos that are disguised as um, containers that they can slide into civilian container ships and it looks no different than a uh, a regular set of containers. But, uh, you know, then obviously they can fire them directly offshore of uh, their enemies, which is, which is probably us. Um, That, yeah, I heard that report um, actually today about those container ships and how they can be refitted quickly into uh, missile carrying silos. Would that not be the craziest um, war scenario, but also a very intelligent tactic if you're a, a foreign power trying to attack the United States, because think about it, you know, 
are we just going to sink every container ship that comes to the United States, and or are we just going to ban them from getting close? Or what what trouble happen? if we did? We don't have to worry about it right now because none of nobody nobody's coming. Well, to they're shore. all sitting across the uh, coast of California. Yeah, so we're perfect launch site. I was about so, to just hit California. Well, they, they know that if they're on the coast of California, they can hit anything in the United States. I know, they might even be able to hit Europe. Do us a favor, kind of, please. I well, would assume. I mean, if if we're talking nuclear warheads, surely. You know, I understand. I don't know a lot about our nation's clandestine defense system, but surely we have, you know, radiation scanning defense systems Clearly, where we're scanning. I, I would hope we're more defensible than container ships with nukes in them. I would hope that there might be some sort of technology that the United States has not revealed um, that is going to counter um, the Chinese government's efforts. However, um uh, the Space Force, I believe in a high-ranking official from the Space Force came out on, I can't remember what news outlet, um, but they talked about how China is overtaking us in um, space weaponry, and they will be um, years ahead of us um, in the next decade. They will be leaps and bounds ahead of I'm us. I'm going to call it the Space Army. <laughs> well, let, let's assume, though, that we have the, the what is the Iron Shield? What is the global, like... Uh, what, the Iron Dome. Iron whatever. Dome, that's yeah. Israel's system, yeah. Yeah, let's assume we have something like that in the United States that we can detect missile launches. But let's assume that China has a, a supersonic nuclear weapon in a container on a ship. Even if they move that right up to the edge of, like, international waters, right at the borderline of where the United States was, so we couldn't just go and look in their ship. Well, if they launch something like that, I don't even know if, if like, an Iron Dome-type missile defense system could even catch and you know, well, disarm that in time before it would even affect our landmass. Here's the thing with the Iron Dome. I mean, it's basically a a, um, a United States a refitted United States Patriot missile system, um, which is a multiple like uh, uh, unit system. You have the r- control radars, the search radars, and then multiple missile launch sites. And they're mobile because they're meant to be in a war zone. You know, they get up and move them every few days or a few hours if they need to, so they don't get hit by ordnance. Um, I don't know what the United States has on its borders to intercept missiles. I'm sure we have longer-range um, missile silos that are meant to intercept intercontinental ballistics. Um, but short-range missiles that have a really low flight time, like coming out of a carrier that might carry a nuclear warhead. That I mean, that's supersonic. That's a brand-new threat. Yeah, that, No, even if it was supersonic, there's nothing that could hit it. it. It could come from China, but there's not hardly anything we can do for a supersonic missile just because— or nothing um, that we're aware of. Well, there is probably something we can do, but nothing that we've engineered yet, according to sources. Um, and, you know, I've also heard that this supersonic technology they developed is actually, um, it's doing things that we didn't think were physically possible. Um, we, just because we don't have, to, I, at least, I don't think the United States has invested much in supersonic weaponry because of the conventional type of system we've, because, you know, we have to understand the enemy. For for years and years and years, we were fighting um, domestic terrorism, or not domestic, but we were fighting terrorism, uh, terrorism and unequipped. We 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 uh, built our military towards that type of threat. Um, we're fighting uh, like, and we have the uh, the the carriers for our navy, right? That's kind of what supports our navy is all of our nuclear carriers, and um, we've adapted those. To use, you know, if we're in an anti-ship situation, we're using anti-ship weaponry that are on aircraft. Um, we don't have a lot of missile ships, like uh, cruiser-type anti-ship missile ships, 
because we rely on our aircraft more than anything. And our enemies have adapted to be the opposite of that. Russia, their big focus is not on aircraft carriers. They maybe have, you know, maybe 20 aircraft carriers that are nowhere near the technology level of ours. However, they have these huge missile battleships that launch supersonic missiles um, that can penetrate carrier groups. And so we've had to, you know, therefore create defenses uh, to stop those. But hypersonic missiles are a completely different. Um, I mean, you're talking Mach 9, Mach 10, you know, just ridiculous speeds that are almost unfathomable in the atmosphere because, you know, we thought something moving that fast would simply just burn up. There's not a lot of elements on Earth that can withstand those kinds of temperatures moving through the air that fast. Russia but, has seven aircraft carriers. Yeah. So they don't have a lot, but they don't they don't focus on that because they know we would beat them because we're miles ahead of technology in that. So they focus on missile systems that can strike our aircraft carriers and that we can't shoot down. But I imagine China does the same thing. They'll launch it. And it'll go hypersonic and it'll finally get here and it'll burn up all the layers and it'll finally land and on a on a beach and it'll roll and it'll just be this tin can and it'll <laughs> it'll they'll open it and it's just like a Pokemon card. It's a Chinese finger trap. Yeah. <laughs> um, Unbeatable. Like that's all. Just sending you a, a gift. No, thank you. No, thank you. They just need to have a parachute drop down right above the White House and just to say we could, yeah. you know. So, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to take over the segment, but I just got a news thing from today that's in the Nashville area that I thought would be very important to bring up because this happened today. And Breaking so, news. Literally. Da, 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 da. From Twitter. Thank you. Um, but no, um, today there's not a lot of details about it, but I just thought it'd be important to talk about with other things that are going on that we're not going to talk about on this podcast, but a fourth grader, um, brought a gun to a Metro uh, elementary school today. Oh no. There's, this is like the seventh gun I've heard in a Metro Nashville school in the last seven months. Yeah. They're getting, I know know of SROs that work drugs in Middle schoolers. Narcotics in middle yeah. school. It yeah, was. What's going on um, with these kids? So the fourth grader told the police, this is quote, uh, the gun belongs to a relative and that he took it from under the relative's bed without them knowing. And then the police said that the child was allowed to leave school in the custody of a guardian considering his young age. It was unloaded, but oh, so he, he took it. it to he took cool. it to school. Show wow. and tell. So I just. Cell. I I just cool thought school. I just got the notification and I was like I'll probably forget it by the next time we were on here but I just thought that that was kind of crazy because I've literally never heard of a fourth grader being like I think I'll just bring a gun to school you know what Here's that'd the, be so cool soul point if you're going to own a gun lock the gun up yep here's a good segue though we all know video shows Texas man shoots partners. X amid heated child custody battle. Oh yeah, we we talked about that at uh, work when that happened. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Did you hear about that, Chris? Yeah, I think uh, we were standing around the the same phone watching that. It was yep. pretty fascinating. Like literally, we saw them uh, take that man's so life. Here's on the, the video. details: A Texas man fatally shot his partner's ex husband during a bitter ongoing child custody dispute. Disturbing video shows the cell phone footage is released Tuesday. This is last week, by an attorney for Chad Reed's widow, depicts the deadly November 5th confrontation between a 50-year-old, 54-year-old victim and Kyle, I can't pronounce his last name, um, in his home. Now, a lot of people are drawing you know, connections to the Kyle Rittenhouse case with this, and uh, a lot of people, I think, are wrongly saying that this class, this is self-defense. Um, if you watch the video, and it is kind of graphic, so I wouldn't watch it if, if it's not something you want to see. 
Um, however, uh, I can say, at least in my opinion, this is not a case of self-defense, n- not in any way. And the reason is, is because, you know, in this situation, the guy that was shouting, you know, the guy who wanted his son because it was his time to get his son or whatever, um, he was outside of their home. He was unarmed. Unarmed. He was not trying to get into the home. In most states, you can't shoot somebody because they're in your yard uh, or saying, I'm going to break in your house or whatever. You can't shoot them. You have to wait until they get in your house or actively break in your house to, to use deadly force. Yep. Dude. The, the new husband or whatever walks out with a with his uh, nine millimeter uh, carbine and they get in a shouting match um, the the guy who was trying to get his his daughter I guess got up in the dude's face and they are shouting and shouting and shouting the guy discharges around at his foot at his foot. And then, so the other dude tries to get the gun. Mm-hmm. They struggle for a few seconds, and then he he, he gets, gets pushed fl- off. Yeah, he gets flipped he, around. He gets a few feet away, and then the guy just brings his gun up and t- puts two shots in him. One of them strikes a, uh, a neurological center, and he died instantaneously. So as of Friday, no arrests were made. According to the newspaper, the shooter has been listed as a suspect in police reports, but hasn't been publicly identified by cops. That's interesting to me. I, I'm surprised they didn't arrest him at the scene. So, well, I think what's going to come into play is the interpretation of the Castle Doctrine. And, um, you know, there's it, it definitely speaks about inside one home, one's home or one's vehicle. Um, but it also says, you know, goes on to read about self-defense um, and what is justifiable homicide in self-defense. Um, and if it is a about reasonable doubt or what's in the intruder's mind and, and judging that, but it also talks about inside and outside the domicile. Mm. So, so uh, well, it, you know, the big thing is, is, is it a reasonable deadly threat? Now, is this first degree murder? No. Is a second degree, degree, uh, degree murder? Probably not. Um, I could see third degree or manslaughter um, or aggravated uh, uh, aggravated un- unintentional homicide or something well, like that. Well, uh, Kyle's lawyer released a statement saying it was merely defending himself during this justifiable homicide while citing Texas' so-called castle doctrine, which allows the reasonable use of deadly force upon intruders. But that's where it really gets it, is upon intruders. Right. Is yes. he an intruder at this point? And, and he's outside of the home. It was more of a verbal dispute. And the Castle Doctrine also says you do have a duty to retreat where you can, and the guy could have went back in his home. They they could have both gone inside. And- no. It depends on where it is. There's In Tennessee, in Texas, you do not have a duty to retreat. Um, I only know of a few places where you have a duty to retreat. You know, uh, places like New York, um, uh, California, uh, uh, Maryland, you know, states like that where they don't really want to embrace self-defense, they have coded in their law a duty to retreat. Um, Most states that do have a castle doctrine do not include the duty to retreat um, because um, the idea of, you know, like stand your ground is is what it is. Stand your ground laws, meaning you don't don't have to retreat. If someone's trying to get into your car, you don't have to try to leave your car. If someone's breaking into your house, you don't have to run away from your house. That would be a duty to retreat. Now, the difference is this guy was not in his house. This guy, and is arguable, was not a deadly threat. The biggest, the biggest thing here is, 
you have to use a reasonable amount of force to protect yourself. And if this guy was had a knife or had another weapon or was throwing punches at him, you know, I, I could understand at that point, you know, reasonable amount of force could be deadly force. However, there was no force used against the guy that had the rifle. They were just shouting in each other's faces. Now, was this Texas? This yes. Was Texas. Okay, so yeah. I'm reading. Um, I'm I'm reading some Texas law, Penal Code Section nine point three two. A person is justified in using deadly force against another if the actor would be justified in using force against the other under this section, when and to the degree the actor reasonably believes the deadly force is immediately necessary. A to protect the actor against the other's use or attempted use of unlawful deadly force, or B. This is interesting to prevent the other's imminent commission of aggravated kidnapping, murder, sexual assault, aggravated sexual assault, robbery, or aggravated robbery. What's interesting is commission of aggravated kidnapping. So maybe he thought the guy was going to actually kidnap his kids. I mean, you know, maybe a defense attorney will kind of bring that Well, here's up. the weird thing. Was, did he have his custody, which apparently he did? First, the father had the custody, the gentleman that was shot, and it was found to be that the children were not present. On location, mm. so I don't think they'll be able to get the aggravated kidnapping. This is going to be a dirty court battle. It is, and I think I think the guy needs to go to jail. You know, I, and and I, divorce and custody battles are are terrible. They're they create so much vile vile things and vile feelings in people, and and this is just a a terrible instance of those what those feelings can do. I felt so sorry for the for the wife of the guy that got killed because yeah. she was the one videotaping it. Yeah, and she is. It happens. She's almost in shock. And you hear him say, "He just shot my husband." Matter of factly, and then when she drives off as she's calling nine one one, that's when she breaks down and realizes yep. her husband is dead. And totally I mean, unnecessarily. Yeah. In uh, the end of the article, it does mention that Kyle, the shooter in this instance, did say that he feels that it is reasonable because the uh, aggr- aggressor in this situation. Uh, said threatened to take his gun. I don't after really, he discharged his fire. <laughs> after he discharged the and here's the thing, he couldn't threaten to take the gun if you didn't bring the gun out in the first place. It's all on video. It's all on you know, video. and that's the From thing. Two angles. So the first angle has been the primarily released one. It was the one yeah. done by the. I haven't wife. seen the second angle yet. The second angle is from inside the house, so you really you hear better because it's right there, right, and you really see how everything goes on. They cut the video right as the first shot or second shot is fired, the one that fatally kills him. Right. Um, so you can't really see the details up till that point. Everything goes blurry and they don't really show what happens. And, you know, another thing while we're on firearm safety, and I know we're going to probably segue into this um, with uh, Chloe's topics. Um, but, you know, the the thing I'm thinking of in this situation is what is your backstop, man? If your yeah. kids are supposedly in that house and your your wife he is in that house, the house, he shoots towards the house. The dude the dude turns around and behind him when he stumbles and he shoots right towards the house. I know it's a nine mil carbine, but I mean, come on, dude. That's there was not, there was a lot of not thinking you, that day. You could have easily done something else. That's the big thing, you know. Like, and we'll we'll compare this to Kyle Rittenhouse. There's you could not say. Kyle could have easily done something else in that situation that he was in. Like, you cannot look at. Him, he fell. He was getting hit over the head with a skateboard. There were people coming at him. What else are you going to do? You're going to like phase into the concrete? You know, at this point, the dude in this situation has so many exit method of avenues. He has so many other options he could have done. Um, 
he could have waited for the police. Apparently the police were already on the way to settle this thing, yep. but the dude comes out with a gun. You know, there's nothing. Yeah, he's trespassing on your property if he's sitting out there yelling at you, but until he starts breaking into your house, there's no threat. There's really no form of de-escalation taken. And we've all seen that, especially within the past couple of years, everyone really pushing towards de-escalation. And I think this is a situation in which none of that was used. Based off the videos, we don't really... We don't see the full lead up. We see the first couple minutes before the guns right. brought out of the arguing, but we don't see the full lead up to and that point. What is a big deal? And I know obviously won't be a part of the case because it's not exactly pertinent. But was the was the wife in the wrong in this custody situation? If she if he was supposed to have the kids and she was hiding the kids from him, she I, you know that's that's pretty important in this case yeah was he supposed to have the kids right this will be this will be very interesting I'll, I'll actually watch this one personally you know i feel like this guy has to go down uh because i am afraid that people will start using you know trying to shooting say well, everybody that yeah, comes to their house it's like white, you know or another thing is you know the, well this white guy shot somebody you know stuff like that like that's what they did with kyle and um you know we've had several of these cases happen in very quick succession obviously you had the one where uh, these people went and uh, found a, a guy, a black guy who was out there out jogging, accused him of robbing a house. And then as he was running away or oh, yeah. trying to like defend himself, him. they shot him point blank with a shotgun and killed him. Like three guys. They chased him down in a truck. Yep. They they all, uh, they all I believe, got convicted. I right? remember that. It's been a yeah. couple of years, but I remember that. But that court case is already over. They all got convicted. Um, and Or have they? Did they They've plead? They've been convicted. Yeah, I thought so. I didn't think they pleaded not guilty. Them, if I remember, two of them pleaded not guilty. One of them. No contest. No, no contest. Yeah. One of them did get a, I believe the dude who actually fired the shotgun got a life sentence. Uh, don't yeah. quote me don't quote me on that but And that's that's what needs to happen. You you cannot let people try to stretch self-defense in ways that is not it is not meant to be. Um it's really important part of our law and a part of our uh society is that the right to defend yourself from harm but we cannot stretch it further than than it actually goes and that can cause a lot of problems. Well, let's, I've got one more feel-good story. Let's end on a positive Yay. note yes. before we go. Um, this week, yeah, uh, this week on, on Monday, um, there was a, a small tornado that went through a Tennessee town of Hartsville, Tennessee. Oh, yes. Yeah, and that's where we live. One of the pictures floating on— Thanks um, for telling everyone that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> a little bit of detail. They'll, sorry. They, they won't find you because your picture is of a, a cartoon. Yes. Um, yeah. There was a Don't picture floating on, on social internet. media that it was a school bus on its side with a fifth-wheel camper on it. And I happen to know somebody who works in emergency services who knows the driver. And the driver was apparently this this older gentleman who was in the school bus. It was it, the bus was on. He was getting ready to go pick up kids. Windshield wipers going, lights are on. He's sitting there, and he said he felt the wind kind of picking up. He said it started raining. He kind of felt the bus lift up. Then all of a sudden, he said it was on its side. Hmm. And the dude he said was just cool as a cucumber. The guy like you know the bus just flipped over, and the guy got out, and he was like, oh, I'll just. The bus just flipped over, and I just got on out, and I was okay. <laughs> you know, they canceled school because of that. Yeah. Oh. How, yeah. We're looking at the picture. I'm sorry. Yeah. Wow. Wow. How how hardcore? Like, I'm I'm glad that guy's okay. That's that's great. What a that hardcore was just down dude. the street. Yeah. So we just to give context. So I'm from Kansas in Missouri. I've lived in Missouri too, and I've seen like over a dozen tornadoes in my life. 
Um, and I've been very close to ones as well. Like literally they've been in the backyard and, um, it was six o'clock this morning. By the way, we're looking at a picture of the bus driver and he is the perfect, your, your impersonation of this bus driver He's in a was perfect. He's in a Tennessee volunteer's jacket with a camo X mark oh. lawnmower hat. I swear to God, if they I don't had, know why I thought that was if funny. somebody had brought a a lull and lifted that fifth wheel off and flipped that bus back over, that he dude would, would have picked those kids up. Oh yeah, yes, that's hardcore, man. Oh yeah. Um. So this morning, my cat. I had a, I had a long weekend and I was really tired. And our cat is ready for the cone to come off her head because she had surgery. And so she's being really annoying. And Jess was like, hey, this is at like four in the morning. He goes, hey, like, why don't you go sleep on the couch? Like, because we needed to lock her in our room. And so I went and slept on the couch. And my phone is like right up on the little like uh, rest thing on the couch right next to my head. And it gets to six o'clock in the morning. And like, it sounds like a nuclear bomb alert is going off. And I'm like, holy. And I like shoot up and I'm like, holy crap. And I look. I'm like, why is there an Amber Alert at like five in the morning? Well, it was six. It was pitch black outside. I look, it says tornado warning, seek shelter. And I'm like, a warning? What the heck? I'm like, there's no sirens. So then I get up and I open the door and he's dead asleep. And I'm like, hey. I was um, not. I I heard it go off. I was looking at my phone. I said, hey. He's like, yeah. I'm like, there's a tornado here. (laughs) And he's like, what? And he like pulls it up on his phone. He said, oh. We need to like go in the shower right now because that's was, like our our central ha- unit. I, I used in to our do house. some some radar like stuff when I was younger and uh, with a with a weather team and I looked at our our the radar app and I was like, oh, um, it's on it's on top of a, us. This, this is, is not a it's drill. literally, literally here. headed directly for us. Um, this we is were, not a drill. You know how the National Weather Service draws those polygons, right? Uh, and then there's a line, a storm track going exactly where it's going to go. Well, it just, right over our house. I hit GPS location and boop, right in the middle of that line. I was like, oh, well, um, hopefully we don't lose this new house today for absolute no reason. My favorite was that Jess grabbed a blanket and a pillow to go into the shower. No, because and then, there's nothing wrong with and that. And then, wait, no, but then I go to grab the cat. I had to grab the cat, and he's grabbing. He's like, he's getting. I the grabbed her bed, and I was like, okay, I guess we're going in the shower. And then I was like, oh, hold on. And he's like, where are you going? I go to get shoes. Always get shoes in a tornado. That was Always a good idea. Shoes. That was a good idea. So, but yeah, our I cat. Never thought of that. It was Jess and I and our cat just sitting in the shower for about fifteen minutes, and she's kind of like looking at us, like, what? Do, like, what are we doing? I'm glad she trusts us enough to actually not freak out when we're holding her down, like trying to keep her in one place. Um, so that worked out good. So yeah, yeah, it was a little scary. I'm not just, even gonna lie. Every single time, like March, a couple of years ago, when we had that tornado, I was not in the bathroom. We put the dogs in the bathroom. We were all standing on the front porch looking, watching for it. it. Yep. Yep. Welcome to Kansas. It's like at that point, now I probably would have done that had it been further away. But literally, not I when looked, you're in the dot. I looked on my cameras, and you know how you can tell when I kept seeing sideways rain. And then a few seconds later, it would go the other way. And I'm like, oh. That, well, we, we also didn't know where our trash can went. Yeah, it we, It took us like 10 minutes to find it. Yeah, it, <laughs> we, it took off. See, we could see the tornado when it came through Lebanon from our house. And was it, it during the daytime? It was not. It was at nighttime, but there was enough lightning that you, oh, know, yeah. you could barely make. It was kind of on, ominous. Ominous. That's the correct word. Ominous. You got it. Ominous. Ubiquitous. Sure. Okay, I can say ubiquity. Continue now. your story. Uh, yes, please. Yeah, uh, 
Yep, we can see it from our house, and we're all just standing on the front porch as the dogs are in the bathtub. Yep, in the bathroom. We don't want anything here. to happen to the dogs. Oh yeah, dogs are the Logan crawled underneath our house to get one of them, so it's fine. Yeah, that's um, good. yeah. we're just standing on the front porch looking at the tornado because we figure eh, our house is not that big and our bathroom is not in the most central location, so it just is what it is. The problem with our house is every wall in our house touches every the room is an exterior wall. Yep, like there, there's not one room in our house except for the the tiled shower where there is not an exterior wall. Um, so we're just not a very safe house for tornadoes. Chris, I want to know, can I make the thumbnail for this episode, this picture, like, drawn yes, out? that would be amazing. I keep looking over and it just makes me smile every yeah, this, time. You should. This picture Perfect. is a meme. I really he, hope this takes off he just and becomes a meme. Like, it looks like a normal day for him. It's like, yep. Like, you can, put, you can put any caption under that. And I mean, it would be hilarious. Yeah. And that is a perfect meme right there. That's got to become a meme. He looks like he just woke up and he's like, "Yep, found a school bus in my front yard. I was going out well, to the cut camper. the grass." Like I can just, I can just hear um, "Curb Your Enthusiasm" music playing. Uh, <laughs> just looking at Well, that's our feel-good story. This dude's alive and well. Yep. in the school bus when it rolled. And we're me and my wife are alive and well. And our cat. This dude is an utter bad beep. Mm. I'll do the beep for Bad you. beep. Thank Absolutely. you, Grant, beep. for censoring yourself. All right. Editing. Speaking of bad beeps, we're going to move right into pop culture. Right? All right. Let's, let's do that. Let's do that. And we have a very special guest with us in the studio today, um, the host of the Grisha Cast podcast and video cast, um, and d- who just happens to be my husband. Um, Grisha Cast is a podcast that covers a um, an author, and they have um, uh, interviewed the the actual author of the show, or the books that their show is about. But um, he's joining us today because um, Chloe has some topics that um, he may know about as well. So, Eric, welcome to the show. Hello, Eric. Hi. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Yes, I am. Yeah, I am. I'm Eric, and I am... I'm part of the Grisha cast, and also your husband. <laughs> yes. So you left that out. I'm so out. happy you restated that wrong. Yes. <laughs> so, so today one of our stories that we're going to talk about um, is about this girl named Trisha Paytas. We've talked about her podcast before, um, her former podcast called uh, Frenemies, um, okay. where uh, she is just – she is like the – dumb blonde that everybody in high school like just was like wow you're really stupid she thought she voted for joe biden because he quoted hamilton is this this girl and then she said then she goes yeah we see these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and um this is actually this girl yes this is this girl and she's also i don't know if y'all know the wendy williams show but wendy williams is leaving and trish paytas is taking over so that just tells you who they chose um so the backstory of (laughs) of the topic that we're talking about is trisha paytas um she did a show with ethan klein that was the frenemy show um ethan's wife is israeli and it's her brother-in-law uh named moses who is trisha's husband now okay so Moses is Israeli. She, I believe, was Catholic before. Okay. Like growing up Catholic, I don't think she like is pra- was practicing. Um, but when she met Moses, she decided to, I don't know if the words convert, yes. but she decided to convert to um, Judaism. And she is getting, this is her first Hanukkah uh, with Moses because they're living in a house together. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and she released several TikToks um, of her dancing to a song, um, basically like a hip hop song talking about lighting the menorah for Hanukkah. Okay. And um, there's several captions that go with these videos that I'm going to read for our um, listeners really quick. And just so you know, we've all viewed these in advance, obviously, because video does not work great over podcasts. Right. So. Okay. So um, that and she doesn't like talk. It's just the music. Okay. So the first one, it says me trying to seduce my Israeli husband. And they're like all of these. She's doing a dance that's kind of like seductive in the background. And he's lighting the menorah in front of them. And she's wearing like skimpy clothes, right? Yes. Looking like Stifler's mom. Yes. Yep. Um, the next one is me trying to bring peace in the world coexist. Um and once again, it's the same. It's literally all the same video, but just more candles um, on the, uh, what do you call it? I'm sorry. The menorah. Thank you. So then um, the next one, she actually has like a crop top. So that means you can see her entire belly. Right. And she's doing the same dance. And she says, when the menorah isn't the only thing getting lit tonight. Um, then the next one says, when you can't finish uh, conversion classes, so you just pay to be Jewish. And then... The last one says lighting birthday candles for Brit Brit. And this one, she is like almost like her shorts should just be underwear at that point. And she's in a crop top once again. Now, I do want to ask um, the reason that we brought Eric on is because he is Jewish. I am. I have been my entire life. And I know because I am friends with you on social media that you celebrate Hanukkah and you do yes. those celebrations. And so I wanted to know, because in one of the videos, um, she is wearing a yarmulke. Yes. Yeah, so Are, do females wear yarmulkes as well? No, I no. don't think so. Well, okay. So it just depends. Like, okay, let me take that back. It There's different, it, like there's different denominations yeah. of Judaism. So there's like... Um, there's reform, there's conservative, and then there's orthodox Judaism. Um, reform would be the like um, less religious, I guess. Gotcha. Uh, um, and the orthodox would be the very, very religious. Gotcha. Um, I grew up conservative, um, which is pretty religious, and then. Um, also, like Orthodox, so we were pretty religious to Orthodox. Okay. Um, um, so I grew up where the women did not wear yarmulkes, um, and I grew up with that. Um, so mostly, I've grown up with women not wearing yarmulkes. They would wear um, something if they did wear anything. It was more like this, like little, like it'd be like this little. I don't even know what you would call it. It. It was like a small little sheet of fabric, uh, like lace or something. But right. it wasn't a yarmulke at all. Um, so, no, not okay. women normally don't. However, we do now, my husband and I, we got married, like when marriage equality did pass in 2016, I believe, we we got married at uh, the only synagogue that would marry us because my husband's Buddhist. So we Good were, job. Yeah, we <laughs> were only able to get married at a reform synagogue, um, which actually was like, so at a reform synagogue, the rabbi, which is a female, wears a yarmulke. Okay. So Chris is used to that, and that's fine. Like I'm just like it's it's 
it's changed. It's well, not. It's not like controversial for a woman so to worry about. There's so many interesting dynamics to this that I never thought about. I know. Yeah. So, right? so basically, though, she could be reform, and therefore, ergo, could be wearing a yarmulke. Right. It's. I think what's different and what is weird is like I'm okay with the fact that I see our rabbi wearing a yarmulke. However, seeing just a random girl wearing a yarmulke, I think. In a skimpy outfit in a TikTok video. Who admits that she's not fully become Jewish yet. Correct. Okay. That is a little, yes. Um, And also, yeah, so that's weird. Because that's the reason why we haven't really told our listeners why we talked about this. There are several um, Jewish people on TikTok that are... Uh, saying that this is controversial, that all of her videos doing these dances with the menorah and advertising, um, you know, Hanukkah like that um, is completely inappropriate. And some of them have actually are uh, Holocaust survivors that have oh, come uh, on and said, like, this is completely inappropriate. Absolutely. I'm going to um, say this. I'm Buddhist. I celebrate Hanukkah with my family, and that's offensive to me. Well, exactly, because, I mean, Hanukkah is a celebration. It's, I mean— First off, Hanukkah, it's it's a celebration. It's eight nights. It just ended last night. Last night was the eighth night. Um, it's it's not a huge, huge holiday. Um, it, it seems bigger than it is just because it's next to Christmas. But um, it's a minor holiday. But it is a really pretty holiday. Um, it's unfortunately... And like most Jewish holidays, it's another holiday where we celebrate another time that we just another group of people tried to destroy and kill us, and we survived. But um, quite a few of those in yes. your history. That's about we every, survived. Yes. Yeah, we we prevailed. Um, yep. That's about all of our holidays. But um, anyways, um, yeah. So I think I understand, and I think the comments that she keeps making with some of these are what people are getting kind of offended by. And I, and I understand that, um, especially the one where she talks about the conversion, mm-hmm. um, because being like converting to Judaism, one is not an easy thing. Um, converting to Judaism is like, it's, it's hard. Um, I haven't had to do it, obviously. Um, I know that one, like, I mean, to be Jewish, it's um, it it's passed down from your mother. It's not like your father. Like, I mean, like if, for instance, like if my father was Jewish and my mother wasn't, I wouldn't be considered Jewish. Um, oh, interesting. No, no. Yeah, know like that. it's only passed down from your mother. My father is Jewish, but I mean, like, um, it's only passed down from your mother's side. Um, but anyways, if you wanted to convert to Judaism, it it's very hard. You have to like, supposedly I hear like all these like crazy stories that you have to like go to the rabbis and like they will reject you all these different times. Mm-hmm. And like you really have to want it. And that you will go through a lot. And finally when they accept it, you will have to do so much classes and all this stuff. It has nothing to do with money. Right. But then she makes some comment about how Yeah, she, she said that she like to skip conversion classes because she p- just paid for them instead. And then that's what I think is offensive because 
that's then throwing in the money thing because that's another stereotype right. about Jews right. being, you know, stingy, or, stingy yeah. about mm-hmm. money. That's offensive. Right. And then the way that she's dancing because, like, and also showing, because, I mean, in, like, the video, she's showing skin. A lot of Jews, like, I mean, like, can't show skin. Like, I mean, like, there's parts of New York or in Israel where, I mean, like, you can't show skin at all. And she's, like, got her midriff showing. I mean, like, that's not allowed. It's just, and also the way that it's being filmed, obviously, like, the way the the video is being filmed, it's opposite. Like, I mean, she's not even, like if they were going to be doing the candles correctly, they should have the camera doing it the opposite way because the, the I candles, noticed some of them yeah, were being lit the wrong direction. It's the wrong direction. Yeah, it's supposed to like. Could, I it, just be, saw, could it be mirrored or is it just the wrong direction either way? If they were going to do it the right way, <laughs> they should like the candles. If you're going to do it, like it's it's just the opposite. Like, right. I, like the you start like the first night like. From the, if you're it's, looking it's, at it from the right. Yeah. Your first, like, for instance, like, I mean, like, the middle candle is the light, is the candle that you use to light all the other candles with. And that's mm. always lit. But then your first, your first night is always your, like, it's always to the right. Like, it's, it, now I'm getting myself confused. Yeah. It's always, yeah, it's so always you to, start at the rightmost candle. Yes. And it goes this Ask way. Ask the Buddhist. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm getting myself confused. Yeah, we start with the right candle. Yes. It, yeah, it's always to the right. Yes. It's always here. Yeah, okay, sorry. That's right. I'm sorry. So, like, so, I also... No. Question. We like the first, the last one we added, don't we? You always start here. You start here, and you go you go from the right all the way. Yes. So. So you go from outside to inside. So, like, if it, if the menorah is here and this is the middle, you, you go know from what? outside to inside? Well, no, watching this backwards has really got my mind backwards. That's no, what not. I think is happening. Yeah. Yeah. We, think... we start adding it from the, we add candles from the right. You, you add the candles starting from the right, going to the left, but you light them starting with the latest candle that you added going backwards right. to the right. So you, you, you add them from the right going to the left. Right. And, and then you light, light them, them from left the to left right. to the, yes. for the latest to the oldest. I gotcha. Correct. Sorry, watching that video backwards has gotten it's, my mind yeah. backwards. So could it, could it be mirrored, like, just from taking the video? Well, no, because I, if you watch that video, they, they light it one direction one time and one direction right. the, the other time. time. Oh, so not lighting it the I right also direction. think it's hilarious that she's standing in front of a Christmas tree while they're lighting a menorah. Yeah, that is well, weird, isn't it? And I understand, like, but if she's claiming to be Jewish now, that's very... you should not have a Christmas tree in your house. But... Right? That's... Well, that's very popular, though. Like to be honest, a lot. I, I that's a, that's very common. A lot of Reform Jews. Like, there's a lot of that. Like, I mean, like I grew up with a lot of Reform. Like, there's a lot of Reform Jews that have. Like, I mean, one parent is is Christian and one parent is Jewish, so they right. would have that. So, I mean, and like, would would Messianic Jews have a Christmas tree? So, I'm going to stop you here. I'm sorry. Um, mes- yes, um, but. <laughs> You know that's a touchy subject for me. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, so yes, messy. Um, that's the word I know. I'm sorry, okay. that's the, yes. not the right word. Uh, well, no, it is. I'm just um, messy. Uh, uh, Messianic. Yes, I just um, grew up with that. Um, I should not. I should not it's continue okay. with what it's I'm okay. saying. That's all right. Sure. So, but, but would they? Have, they would have. They could possibly have a Christmas tree. 
Well, they wouldn't have one because they consider themselves Jews that okay. believe in Jesus, okay. but they're not Jews. Gotcha. So, oh, that's a weird combination, isn't it? Those are people that go around and try to um, convert Jews to believe in Jesus. They take the Torah and go around and can tell Jewish kids or people that believe that are Jewish and take the scripture and say that Jesus actually is in there. They like will mm. like turn it and twist it and like when I grew up like I went to this um Jewish camp it was um Camp Rama and like we had like specific training that they would like take us through to like help us learn like how we would like how they would try to like trick us like apologistics just, yep yeah. like how they would like try to get us and like it's very interesting um i think that's our neighbors i think the that's old our neighbors are. term you know was i wasn't like, gonna bring that up since everyone knows where we live now well, they used okay. to be called <laughs> Jews like for jesus <laughs> that's what they were called and what a now, great t-shirt that's not yeah that's what it sounds like <laughs> now you don't call now it's not jews for jesus and now it's now they have a new name but it, it's shown on tv a lot like people will like it looks like jews on tv it's like they have candles and all those things and it looks like jews on tv but so it's kind of like a infiltration almost it's it a, looks, an operation to, to yes. try to convert jews to christianity but they pose as jews yes it looks very much like everything like it's so jewishy everything looks like it's all jewish except if you just keep on watching and listening there's all of a sudden these subtle hints of some messiah or somebody named yahushua or somebody like it's just mm -hmm. subtle hints and it's just like the messiah and it's like jews don't believe in the messiah like, right. so. or they believe it hasn't come yet it's not Correct. right so going back to the videos and this will be like one of the last points that i make on this um you know i feel like it's i'm not i want to make it clear of what i'm saying right now mm -hmm. um it is you know if someone had a nativity scene from the christian standpoint yes and they were standing behind it and they were playing some hip-hop song about jesus's birth and like all this stuff and they were dancing with the same it was her in the background dancing with the same outfit i probably i wouldn't feel offended but i'd feel very uncomfortable because i'm like this is you know the like to me that's the birth of jesus that's a very important day um the same as if you know, if it was for Easter and there was a crucifix and she did the same well, thing. That's, that's what I was thinking is like, I, I'm imagining the Christian version of this is like her dancing around like a, a large cross. Yeah. Like it's yeah. a stripper pole And or so something. just like, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I feel like people are probably, or not correct me if I'm wrong, just give me your opinion on it. People are probably also upset just because it is a holiday that is a religious holiday um, that is, you know, very sacred to the Jewish people. And it's just like a time that I feel like everybody else kind of like everybody that isn't Jewish kind of like glances over like in school. I went to private school, so it's kind of different. But I know in public school, like we never talked about Hanukkah. Right. And, you know, like I've always seen videos of some Jewish students who are like, you know, we get Christmas break off, but we never get like a Hanukkah break and we never get that. And so I could see where if a, you know, a girl that does not stereotypically look Jewish that you know is not Jewish because she revealed that um, was dancing provocatively like that, that that would be very upsetting, especially to older conservative Jews. Yeah, I, I agree. Absolutely. And 
I actually was talking to some coworkers about this. Um, just this past weekend, I we went to some Christmas parties, and I I was upset about it at first, um, just because, and it brought up some things. It's not that I didn't enjoy going to these Christmas parties. It it was the fact that nobody ever recognizes that I celebrate Hanukkah. I feel like it's just like, even though I always mention I celebrate Hanukkah, I continuously get Merry Christmas. And like, even when I serve tables here in Wilson County, I would specifically like during the holiday season, I would, um, I would at my tables, Everybody else would say Merry Christmas to their tables. I would specifically say Happy Holidays. Mm -hmm. Well, my tables would then be like, oh, well, Merry Christmas. Right. Because they felt like, oh, this poor guy has to, like, say Happy Holidays because he's being forced to say that. I feel almost like that's turned into... And like an, a thing that people just know, like now, if you say happy holidays, I know as a business standpoint, because that's what I've had to do for some of my business stuff. You have to I have to say happy holidays because I we know that we serve many people. Mm-hmm. But like if one person, if you say happy holidays, you know that obviously either you're serving other people that you're like, OK, I don't know what their denomination is or what their religion is. Or I can't say it because I don't feel like saying it because like no one's going to understand it or reciprocate it. Correctly. Right. Well, it just would piss me off because I would say happy holidays because I wanted to say that and they would reply, oh, well, Merry Christmas. Right. And, and they're I, thinking that, yeah, they have that almost, oh, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it because no one else wants to say it. You know, yeah, I get what like, you're saying. And it's like, kind of a pretentious response. And it's like, no, I'm saying it because I'm like, yeah. oh my yeah. gosh. And, and it's like nobody ever respected. Like, I mean, it's just like. That's kind of a, I feel like that's kind of a response that people build especially in more conservative areas because um they they have kind of linked the happy holiday statement with a political mm-hmm. connotation instead of it just being a generalized right. acknowledgement of you know multiple different um because there's a lot of different types of holidays that occur in the Christmas Hanukkah season right, right? and so it's it's not just acknowledging one or the other it's saying hey you know, well, I don't know what you are. It's just a kind whatever of a you celebrate. Yeah. Happy, 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 holidays. happy blank. And the more I realize, the more I talk to people, the more actually that I realize people have no clue about Hanukkah mm-hmm. or about Jews in general at all. I was having a conversation with someone today talking about it and expressing it, and they actually were. Their answer to me was just like, well, you could just have your own, just have your own Christmas. It doesn't have to be related to Jesus. And like, I was <laughs> I'm like, sorry, but the word Christ is in, in the word Christmas. I so. was like, that's not well, what the problem Xmas, right? is. Xmas, yeah. If you call it Xmas, you can celebrate I was like, it, right? That's not what the problem is. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm missing Christmas. I'm saying <laughs> I'm that Christmas. like, I'm... <laughs> I feel I, so I feel so bad because I'm Jewish and I can't have Christmas. I don't know what to do. I'm like I'm fine. I'm celebrating Hanukkah. <laughs> can I just like, say? Can I just say? I always thought that as a kid that Hanukkah was so much cooler because you got eight days of gifts instead of just one. Is, I'm sorry, as a child, like, not right now. It is cool but, as a kid, by the way. But yes, Hanukkah is really cool when you're a kid. That it it is awesome as a kid. 
it, it it rocks. It's awesome when you get older. It blows. Um, you don't get that. <laughs> but I he will really s- misses Christmas. But um, <laughs> that's but hilarious. It is crazy though. Like <laughs> nobody knows around here. Like I, but that, and I think that's what's sad is like I realize like a lot of people like even my age. Like I talk to people at like my job. They, my age, people even older than me. I'm talking to have no clue that Jews do not believe that Jesus they don't they don't realize that Jews do not believe that Jesus is not the son of God. And I also feel like there are a lot of younger people that they weren't um, taught that. They weren't taught that but also like the only thing I was ever taught about and once again I went to private Catholic school so it's a little bit different because they're not going to want to teach us about, you know, Judaism and things like but that. But isn't that crazy? But like the only thing that we ever learned about 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 Jewish people is the Holocaust. And, and you I don't... feel like that's a lot of people. Like that's the only thing that they know about Jewish people are the Holocaust and that how that happened. And wow. as as I got older, um I I remember when I was in high school that you know, they didn't want to. I was kind of in that area where they didn't like teaching religion at all, and um, I think that kind of removes a little bit of um, knowledge uh, that a lot of kids lack these days. You know, learning about the the different types of um, people that are out there, the different yes. religions, because you know they're not gonna, you're not gonna teach a kid uh, like have a have a general religion class and learn about different religions, and then the kid's not gonna convert if they've been Christian all their life, or if they've been Muslim all their life, they're not gonna all of a sudden, oh, I like this one better. It's not window shopping. No, it's just that's you're just understanding. <laughs> it's education, that's, that's, and that's the arguments that I heard and and I, that I took part of originally, but now now I you know that I'm older and wiser, it's like. You know, that makes sense. Because when I was even at the Christian college that I went to, we learned about different religions um, because it's important to know what those different religions are based off of, what the general beliefs are, even though I'm not an expert. You know, uh, we understand (laughs) what they are and what they believe. It's important to have at least a general understanding because I'm sorry. I look at these people at like that are older than me and I just I'm dumbfounded Mm. that these people just think that have gone around their entire life that just believe that everybody has assumed that that they that they have assumed that everybody in the world has believed that jesus that everybody believes in jesus well i think that comes down to the intellectualism in that is that um, a lot of people just don't really grow up with the idea that there are other people that don't think like them or they're taught that you know those who don't think like you are are the bad guys you know they're they're the people that that so crazy. You don't even need oh, the time of day I actually I just saw the story that you'll probably think is kind of funny so like I said I went to Catholic school pretty much my entire I went from K preschool to uh freshman year of, of high school Catholic school did you go um, here no like, okay. I, w- I grew up in Kansas okay so but She's not in Kansas anymore. I'm not. <laughs> my my mom had my brother and sister, my younger brother and sister, uh, go to the same Catholic schools as I did. And um, was this, it not all girls? No, it was. Okay. A, it was like every. It was a K through eighth school. So okay. like K through eighth grade. For Halloween, then, I dressed up one year um, as the only boy um, for St. Cecilia Catholic School here. Just letting you know. Good. Yeah. Solid. (laughs) As a Halloween costume. So, um, my sister, so this just tells you I've, and I would love to have a whole episode talking about how like 
crazy my Catholic education was at the school. But my sister, we were in the car. I still remember what Wendy's drive-thru we were in. And I'm in the front seat. And she's probably in like first or second grade. So like she understands things. And you expect when you have to go to church three times oh, know, a week and learn <laughs> and learn about Jesus and learn about all this stuff that you would know what religion you are. And I will never forget my sister in the back seat goes, Hey mom. And my mom goes, yeah. And she goes, are we Jewish? Because she literally didn't know what we were. And my mom goes, are you freaking kidding me right now? We send you, we pay thousands of dollars for you to be in a Catholic school. And you literally just asked us if we, you are Jewish. And she's like, I don't know. Like they talk about Jewish people in the Bible. And my mom's like, oh my gosh. And obviously my mom thinking of like the very, like the, like not Jewish in the sense of the Bible, the Christian Bible, but like Jewish as in Jewish people. And I'm just sitting there like my sister literally by second or third grade did not know whether we were Catholic or Jewish when we spent every freaking day at a Catholic school. (laughs) (laughs) She probably still thinks that we're Jewish. Oh, man. Yeah. Who knows? So, well... Thank you for coming on because I like that Aww. was that was just a topic that I really like. I saw it today and I was like, well, we have a Jewish person that we know who's right here in the studio. We have and our I subject like, matter expert. I was like, you know, it would it would not benefit for us to talk about it because the three of us don't have like Chris has experience, obviously, because he's with you and he sees it. But like he's not a Jewish person. So yeah. I wanted to get that perspective. There were some interesting. Well, to. Not to be doubling here, but interesting intricacies of that um, that we didn't really pick up on, like the whole thing about the uh, um, uh, it being lit backwards or being set up mm-hmm. wrong, and then the uh, yamaka thing, and the yamaka and like thing. I would have never even picked up on that yeah. at all. So that that was very beneficial. So. so, well, thank you. And real quickly, I have one story to tell you because you just told a really funny little story, <laughs> and I have to. T- it reminded me of one funny little story so part of judaism is there's like have you heard of the 12 tribes of israel Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so like being jewish you actually know what tribe you are like i mean so like i mean that's kind of cool i um i know that i'm a levi and like anyways like i i know that but i mean like I didn't know that when I was really young, but I mean, like when I was like, I guess sometime when I was really young, I, it was at some, we were at a Passover dinner and like somehow it got asked like to me, like, and someone was asking like, so like, Eric, do you know, like, like, do you know what, like, what tribe you're from? And I was like, yeah, of course I do. And they're like, what? And I was like, I'm a, I'm from the Capricorns. (laughs) (laughs) Capricorns. Um, that was me. That was me. Little Jewish I'm Capricorn. The Twelve tribes. I'm the Capricorns. Perfect. Capricorns. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's hilarious. Awesome. Anyways, all right. So, well. I have one more because I thought we should talk about Alec Baldwin since we have an update on that. Absolutely. We did. Um, we did talk about that in the first. Part I, my too, favorite so guns, quote anyway. of the last millennium oh, came yes. from Alec Baldwin. Oh, so good. yes, let it loose. So oh, let me. loose, Chloe, right now. Thank you. So. um Oh, do you want to stay for this, or do you? It's need up to, to leave? you guys. Yeah, okay, come stay I just, with us. I just wanted to make sure you didn't have something else to do. Oh, so, um, as we know, we've talked about it on this podcast, uh, the film Rust, where Alec Baldwin um, accidentally shot and killed uh, a cinematographer, Helena Hutchins, and uh, wounded the director. But uh, maybe not. I cannot. I yeah. I yeah. I don't remember his name. I'm just going to be honest. Um, so uh, George Stephanopoulos. 
uh, did an interview with Alec Baldwin. And I have to say, first off, and it was on ABC. Um, obviously, we all kind of already know where networks fall politically uh, when they are doing uh, interviews like this and when they are uh, trying to tell a story. Um, and I do have to say uh, that George Stephanopoulos did a really, really good job as an interviewer. Bing. He was very unbiased. Mm. Um, he was just trying to understand like what happened. And he actually asked some like really, really difficult questions, which normally, uh, you know, uh, some interviewers would not have asked right. hard questions. So the one thing that if you go and watch this, you have to remember, and I'm not, I'm not saying that he did this, um, but is that Alec Baldwin is a trained actor. And I had to remind myself that as I was watching this, because there were a lot of facial expressions that were made. There were a lot of emotions that were shown that um, being a theater student and studying these things as well, I could tell which were genuine and I could tell which were trying to act and trying to be different than what either he felt or whatever, which could be true or couldn't be true. But that's just my opinion. To inflate yes. feelings or something like so, that. So um, the interview just starts off talking about Baldwin's career and just like you know that he has handled prop guns and he's handled real weapons on a on a movie set and things like that um and then it talks about the relationship between him and Helena and it actually turns out that they really didn't know each other before she came on uh and that they had a dinner like a couple nights before but he loved working with her and that everyone loved working with her and honestly from a filmmaker's point of view they showed a lot of clips of her directing and and to being a cinematographer and she was very talented. You could tell that she really knew what she was doing um, and that she was really, really talented. And so um, they actually had dinner the night before the accident and they decided to uh, take a break for lunch. As we've talked about, they came back and they were shooting a scene. Uh, they were actually, excuse me, they were in a rehearsal and this was a marking rehearsal. And Alec Baldwin was very specific about that. And what that means is that, Actors, when they are um, doing a scene, they have tees that are on the floor on tape, uh, with tape, excuse me, and they have to memorize how many steps it takes for them to get to that exact spot because the camera is placed there, the focus is placed there. And so this marking rehearsal was actually specifically for marking how he was going to hold this gun. And the assistant AD, um, which we'll get to in a second, was the one who handed Baldwin the gun. And he said, cold gun, which means there should be nothing in this gun. Not this even is, this. Is this something witnessed or is this Baldwin's perspective? This like, was that was something witnessed as well okay. as what he said. All right. Um, so he hands him the gun. He says, cold gun. Um, so Baldwin uh, talks about what he was doing. And he said, Helena was behind. So like she's standing almost like in front of him. And when he's pointing, when you point a gun, you don't point it at the camera. Because the camera doesn't need to see down the barrel. You're pointing it away because you're pointing it at someone. And so she's standing there and she's like, okay, we'll hold it, you know, get it down, put it down, put it up, put it, you know, trying to get the positioning of it. Right. And it wasn't until Baldwin, Baldwin did not have his finger on the trigger at this point. This was also quoted from someone else that was there. And um, then he says, well, I have to, is it, what is it called, Jess? Pull back the hammer. Pull back the hammer. And he said, well, I have to pull back the hammer or it or something. to, you know, in the scene to make it authentic. Do you want to see that? And she said, yes. And so he said that he never had his finger on the trigger. He said, I, I never would have pointed it 
at a person with my finger on the trigger. And he said that he cocked the hand. Is that correct? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cocked the hammer back. He said he didn't do it all the way to where it clicked. He only wanted to go partially back. And then, you know, he's holding it. She's moving it. And he goes, you know, I was pointing it basically at her abdomen because that's where she wanted it positioned for the shot. And she said, okay, that looks good. Let's, you know, practice it again to make sure you can get it. And he lets go of the hammer and a big boom happens. And he said everybody was kind of shocked because, you know, none of them had their head, you know, their earplugs in and like nobody was ready for there to be a big boom that happened. Um, then he said that he saw her fall and he thought that she had fainted because everybody was kind of shocked for a minute. You kind of have that like movie moment where your ears are ringing. There wasn't even supposed to be a blank in the No, case. there You're wasn't supposed to be anything. That. Yeah. And so he thought she fainted. And he's like, what the, okay. And then all he hears is the director in the background just screaming. And it's like, everybody's just kind of like looking around, like what is going on? The director was hit as well. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah. And so, um, you know, he's like, what is going on? And because you're on a movie set, there are medics there like at all times. So the medics got everybody out of the building. So Baldwin at this point did not even know that she was shot. He did not even know that something came out of the gun. And he said that the only thing he could think of was sometimes when they do fake charges, there will be wads of paper that hold the charge. And he said that he thought maybe that the only thing he thought was like, maybe, you know, that wad came out because that he said that has happened in films where the wad will come out and it kind of like, you know, stings you a little bit. And that's but how some like, people can die from blanks. Right. You know, they say blanks can kill you too. That's how that yeah. happens if you get hit with point blank. And so that. that's what he thought. And so he did not find out that she was shot by his gun for over an hour after the incident happened because they had moved them all out of that building so quickly. And so it wasn't until he said the the medevac helicopter came to pick her up. The sheriff told her that I mean, excuse me, told him that she was stable. And so he was like stable, like and he still did not know that she had been shot, like actually wounded um, to the point of like dying. And then he said it was another like couple minutes later when the sheriff came back over and he said, hey, I'm, I'm really sorry, but, you know, she didn't make it. And he was like, what are you like talking about? She didn't make it. Like, what what does that even mean? And they're like, oh, well, you like she had a gunshot wound to her abdomen. And obviously at this point, they didn't know whether it was real round or not. And that's where the picture of him calling his wife and looking very distressed comes from. Right. Um, they pulled the reason they found out was because they pulled the bullet out of I think the director's name was Joel, but they pulled it out of the director's shoulder when they had the surgery to remove the bullet. And that's when they found out that there was live ammunition on the set. Now I will say, cause I told this to Jess last night and this makes sense to a degree from a theater person is that a bunch of people were asking why he didn't check the gun. Why did you not look at it? Why didn't you, we even asked that question mm-hmm. and um, George Clooney was on a podcast and he just started dogging on the fact that he was like, I checked the gun every single time. Da, 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 da. And Baldwin made a really good comment that I actually somewhat agree with. So he said one of his first movies when he was younger, he had a gun and he went to go check it after the armorer had already like told him what was in it and all that. And the armorer came over and said, no, 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 don't do that. And he said, why? And they're like, because we are supposed to do our jobs. And if you check it and you put it back in incorrectly, we, he's like, we are supposed to be the last line of defense 
of making sure that that gun is properly ready. And if an actor that doesn't really know what they're doing takes out the magazine or takes, you know, does adds something around, takes th- around from there, then that's their yeah, they cannot, responsibility. They can no confirm that that gun is cold. Right. right. Absolutely. Right. So I understood that, that I was like, okay, I'm going to take away my criticism of you should have checked it because he was literally told not to at the beginning of his career. And to me, that to a point makes sense because, you know, like Chris was saying, um, you have a chain of custody mm-hmm. in this sort of industry for firearms. And if the armor is supposed to be the last hands on that gun that can verify that it is cold and it gets handed to Alec Baldwin. And if it is in fact true that they said cold gun, when they handed that firearm back to him, he is not responsible in my opinion. Now yeah. here's the way it should work though. If I'm the armor, whether, it, whether it's I'm supposed to or not, what I think should happen. And we talked about this before. If I'm if I'm the armor and I'm handing a, a weapon to an actor, whether whether or not the actor understands anything about firearms, I think I'm going to walk up to the actor and I'm going to pull out the magazine mm-hmm. and I'm going to yeah. show them. Yep. You yep. know, this is where the bullet would go and there's nothing in there and I'm going to open the slide and I'm going to show them directly through it. Yep. I'm going to say this is a cold gun and I'm going to completely reassemble it. Yep. Affirming it's cold, then I'm going to directly hand it to them. And you know, if you're an actor and you're in that situation, there's nothing wrong with if you're not sure. That the gun is cold. If you have any doubts, yeah, check it yourself. You you may get yelled at because the armor can just come back over and check it. You may get yelled at, but if you're sure that you know, if you if you have any doubt in your mind that this if if it has live ammunition and it's not supposed to, you can check it yourself and you can get chewed out. And I'd rather chew somebody out than shoot somebody. So speaking of the chain of custody thing, the that you talked about. So a lot of people were always like, "Why did the AD have the gun? Why did that happen?" Um, something else that he clarified was that this was an, this was an indie film. So this was not like a high profile, like they literally were shooting this whole film in 21 days. That's literally how long they were taking, which films normally take like three to four months to film. Yeah. They were doing this whole one in 21 days. Um, the girl that was the, excuse me, the woman that was the armorer, she was also one of the assistant prop masters. So she had two jobs on this set. So they made sure when they started, they said, Hey, the AD is also going to act as an armor because he knows what he's like doing with it. If she's not there, the when you finish the scene, the first person you hand the gun to is armor. But if she's not there, you hand it to the AD. That's almost that's what he said last night. Um, there's also the fact that he talked about what his role was with the film in in like regards to producing, because a lot of people were saying that he's going to have legal action this against him. This was the him. other argument we made, you know, the bug has to stop somewhere. If he's the producer, then it stops. So with him, stuff like that. there yeah. are several um, producers for this film. And what I didn't really understand until uh, I watched this is that there are actually producers over different parts of films. So Alec Baldwin's purpose as a producer was to cast and to get uh, like, accommodations for the cast that was all that his producing roles were over then there were two or three other producers that would have been over crew that would have been over all of these other things so when he was asked whether there would be legal repercussions repercussions on his end he said no because i was literally just in charge of casting the like getting the getting the cast together now he did say because we talked about how there was an incident earlier in production and that a bunch of people walked off He said that he did not know that that incident had happened. No one had told him that that had happened and that there was no indication that there was anything wrong except for 
um, when he was talking to one of the lead uh, guys of that crew that left. They said, hey, you know, we're having to stay in a hotel that's like literally an hour from here. And it just sucks when we have to get here at like 4 a.m. and we have to leave at least by 2.30, 3 o'clock. They're like, it just sucks. And so he was going to come back the next day, he said, and have he got all these house reservations and everything for them that was five minutes away from the location and all this stuff. And he said they came, he came back the next day and they're like, yeah, they just left. Hmm. And he's like, there was, he said there was no indication that anyone was wanting to leave. And they leave. probably didn't want to tell him about what happened because they didn't want him to get upset and walk Probably off. not. You know? um, I know the biggest thing he was really upset about was the fact that there are two people that are not the director um, that are filing suits against the f- whatever film production company. Mm-hmm. And um, he was really upset that... Uh, Helena's Helena's husband, who Helena also had a nine-year-old son. Mm, Uh, She has a nine-year-old son because he's still alive. Um, But that they have not filed their suit. But yet these two people that weren't even a part, one of them was like a script supervisor. And the other one was uh, like one of the assistants are the ones filing suits. So were they like suing for emotional distress or something? uh, For um, unsafe work conditions. Oh, well... And so, but he was really upset because he's like, you know, the woman that died, the husband should probably be the first one to file a suit. And he probably is grieving right now because, you know, his wife was unexpectedly taken. But it's like, he was really upset that they weren't even courteous enough to like either approach him or to, you know, hmm. but also he said this too. He said one of the people that filed the suits came up to him after um, he after the incident happened, everyone right. found out what happened, yep. put their hand on his shoulder and said, like, you know, this is not your fault. You do not need to blame yourself. You know, don't do not think that this is your fault. And now they are actually filing suits against him. Mm. So it sounds like a, it sounds well, like a money thing because is, both of is. them were not a part of the actual one of them was. But the, uh, the script supervisor, I'm like, you were literally in a trailer. Chris, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on all this because um, I know you you've heard some of these. Um, yeah, you the, watched the whole thing. The quote that I saw was the gun just went off, and the first yeah. thing that irked me is that you know without having any details is a gun just doesn't go off. No. Now what? we have to we have to sure remember that? though we're talking about a revolver, and it has a hammer that you pull back. Now when when Chloe was talking about you know you lock it or you cock it back. You pull that hammer back, and at the end of its travel, it locks. And the only way to release that is to pull the trigger. Um, if he did not completely pull it back, then if he's sitting there holding it halfway, if you let go, there may be enough force to, you know, uh, to essentially fire the gun. What I don't understand of, about that account, though, he said that he needed, you know, do you want me to cock the gun to show you what it looks like? Why would what what visually setting up for a camera would you get from just halfway cocking a gun? That yeah. that doesn't make sense to me. And that but, is that is kind of odd, but at the same time, um, I will say for the, I don't know how he would or why he would try to fabricate something like that. No, because even if he did pull the trigger at this point, I don't feel like he's liable because if it is like I said before, if it is true that he was told cold gun and this is how it works in this industry, he's not supposed to check the gun, then. You know, he, there's no malicious act. There's no carelessness. Yeah, he, he didn't just get the gun and be like, I'm just yeah. going to shoot this lady. Now, I will say, 
the reason that, and I'm not saying that this is the reason, but a partial reason to why he may have wanted to show her the pulling of the, of that, of the hammer is because if the gun is pointed just upward regularly, or if the barrel's a little bit higher, if for the shot, you may not be able to see his whole thumb, or you may not be able to see, it depends on what they were wanting to do with the shot. If they want to show intimidation, they're going to show the full thumb. If they want to just show the gun, they're going to have it. So it's all it's, about... It's not completely unreasonable that this was That they would have shown and, it. And I can agree with that. Now, yeah, obviously, people are saying, well, he didn't... The gun just went off, like like Chris said. That's not what happened. He pulled the, he pulled the hammer probably most of the way back, but not far enough for it to lock in place. The hammer, he let go of it instead of slowly returning it to its position. It struck the the um, firing pin with enough force that it impacted the round, which was not supposed to be in there, and it discharged the round. So, you know, if he was somehow liable for checking that gun at that point, it, he would, I think, be legally liable. But at this time, um, he obviously had no reason to think that the gun was right. not cold. He was well, told that, it was cold. And the fact that it had an actual bullet in it. Like a real bullet. Yeah. They pulled a real bullet from and the I dude's really, shoulder. I would really and like to find how that bullet ended yep, up in that game. Because that was one of the questions from George Stephanopoulos. He said, you know, what? how did that bullet get on the set? And he said, I have no idea. There should not have been a single live round on that set. And yet they confiscated 500 of them live. Somebody was doing so some stupid stuff. The, the, poli- the sheriff's department of that town has stated, hey... We don't think that it was a on like a an attack. Like we don't think it was, we don't think it was malicious or anything. But um, you know, like Chris said, you know, they're out in the middle of the desert for twenty one days, and there could be dudes wanting to go shoot out in the middle of nowhere. That's you know, that's a possibility. Um, they did show a picture of like a box full of the fake ammunition, and it does look very real. But one of the armorers that was on there said that he has to check every single bullet even if there's 500 of them he goes you have to check them and make sure that they like you pick them up and there's like a certain weight that they have to be to be fake right and he's like you have to check them all and if you don't you have to start all the way over and check them all again and you know it's weird to me that a bullet could have ended up in the gun if if all these checks were in place that's why it makes me feel like real bullets and fake bullets got mixed up and or maybe those checks were not taken yeah and so is it is it the AD's fault where he said cold gun? Yep. Because maybe it was he knew that maybe he said, "Oh, this these are um, these are not live rounds." And how was he supposed to determine if they were live rounds or right. not if it's a weight difference? Right. That maybe is not very you can't tell but just the by holding diff- the But two. the problem with that is a cold gun means there's literally nothing in it. That is true. That That's the issue. Well, but aren't there not if if it has fake rounds in it that are not snap caps that are not blanks? Is that not a cold gun? I'm pretty to me? sure. I'm pretty sure when they say cold gun, because this is how Alec Baldwin described it, cold gun means there is nothing in it. That's what he said last night. Well, that's weird because you would still be able to see bullets in the in the um, cylinder of the revolver. If that was a cold gun and there was nothing in the revolver, it would have been very clear. Right. So um, I don't know. There's a lot of. There's a lot of mystery in this, and hopefully, I hope they figure out how the how it got there. We need to find the bullet and 
the people who bought the bullet will probably have to pay some legal re- repercussions for probably because it was not allowed on the set and that um, ended up being someone's death i will say um helena hutches like i said i saw a lot of video clips of her on this on this special and i saw a lot of her work that she had put out um and she was a very talented cinematographer uh, it's really unfortunate, especially um, for a woman in that industry, because it's really difficult to get into directing and cinematography as a woman uh, for her to uh, be creative and be able to, you know, um, to be able to be as good at her job as she was. Uh, it's really sad that this happened. Um, but I also feel the same way uh, of some other people I've talked to that say at least she passed away doing what she loved. Um, she wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was a freak accident on a bus or something like that. Um, and that's kind of the same way that I, like, I see if I, if I were to die on a golf course, you know, at least I'm doing something that I, that I love and, right. and, it, you know, same thing as if I'm creating art. And so I'm not Struck saying that by she, lightning mid drive, I'm not saying that she, you know, should have died, but at least she, at least she passed away doing something that she loved and she was surrounded by people who obviously cared about her and really cared about her art. Absolutely. Agreed. Well, a long episode again. What a informative episode. I think we though. just need to stop saying long episodes. It's just... Yeah, because it's becoming normal now. Yeah. We know that we, we should tag them if they're short episodes. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> I still love you, bro. We shorts. should we should just have an MP three of just just be like, Still love you, bro. And then just tag it. That's, that's it. a short. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Well hopefully you stuck around. You learned something about Judaism, about maple syrup, about um, sets and armory and Yeah. All kinds of different little topics yeah, today. Absolutely. If you have some show ideas, please email us. Uh, our website is stillloveyebro.com. Uh, my email is chris at stillloveyebro.com. I'm Jess, J-E-S-S-E, at stillloveyebro.com with a Y-A. And I'm Chloe, C-H-L-O-E, at stillloveyebro.com. We'd appreciate a like and a share on our social media. That would help a lot. we got a Facebook. we got an Instagram account. And uh, obviously, this podcast is available on the platform you're listening on. But we're also on all kinds of other podcast platforms if you'd like to uh, hop ship to somewhere else. Not encouraging that, but we are there if you do end up somewhere We're always with you. We'll be always with you. We'll always be in your pocket. Wherever you get your podcast, still love your rose available. So thanks for listening. Uh, We appreciate your patronage as our listeners, and we hope to see you next time. Happy Hanukkah. Adios to next week. Bye-bye. These wasabi peas are hot. I know. It was getting...